Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 388. How do you plan for a cruise in 2021 with there really not being any clear indication when cruises might restart? Usually, planning for a cruise in the coming year is really a matter of following a pattern of tried and true strategies, but 2021 is going to be a mixed bag of cancellations, test cruises, and a lot of changing rules. So this week, I'm sharing my advice for how to plan a cruise in 2021. Here we go. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And this week's episode, usually, if I get to the beginning of the year, and we look forward to planning a cruise. As I mentioned, that's very, very top of the episode is about really applying tried and true methodologies. There's a lot of great patterns out there for planning a cruise, and usually this didn't deviate all that much, but this year is going to be very different, obviously. Uh, 2020 was a wash. I mean, unless you had a cruise in the first couple months of the year, you didn't go on a cruise, right? Unless you lived in Singapore, I should add. But in 2021, I think most of us said, okay, we're going to plan those cruises that were deferred in 2020, and now that we're in 21, it's still a question of how to approach cruises in this year, whether your cruise is scheduled for March, July, October, or December, it, there's still a lot of unknowns that are out there. And I want to start off the episode by simply saying, I don't know. No one knows the answer to probably half the questions you have about cruises. I think the most important mantra to remember is that simply we we don't know. No one knows yet the full scope of a variety of concerns that everybody has. So it's not just you. It's not like there's a bunch of us who have our arms crossed and smiles on our faces and thinking, we got it all down. There isn't a secret track. There isn't inside information. There isn't a queen of England. This is just simply something that we're all going through. So if there's one mantra for any cruise in 2021, it is to expect changes. What we know right now today when this episode comes out versus March versus July is going to change a lot. The key is you want to be as flexible as possible when beginning the cruise planning process to ensure that you're not caught in a tough spot. If all these canceled cruises in 2020 have taught us anything, it's the importance of being aware of Royal Caribbean's flexible cancellation policies and keeping tabs on what is happening with the cruise line, getting government approval to sail again. Now, the good news is nearly every expert and even industry observer out there expects there to be some level of cruise ship activity returning in 2021. And once cruises do restart, planning for these sailings is going to be a lot easier and a lot more similar, I think, than different from what we had in the past, certainly. And we'll certainly tackle that in episodes to come about how to do that. Fear not. But Really, this episode is about giving you a frame of reference, a mindset, if you will, for how to plan a cruise in 2021 with so many questions, because this is unprecedented. Last year at this time, we had no indications that it would ever get this bad, right? And you know, now that we're here, we still have so many questions, even though perhaps there's an opportunity for cruises to restart. But really, that's the name of the game. When will cruises be able to restart? And from a very, very basic standpoint, cruises can only restart primarily here in the United States and even in Europe to some degree once the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, lets them do so. The CDC has opened up the possibility of doing so via the Framework for Conditional Sailing Order. This involves basically the cruise lines demonstrating that, hey, we can you know operate cruise ships in a safe manner through a variety of test sailings. Now, there's been no public timeline by either the CDC or the cruise lines, and not just Royal Caribbean, any cruise line, in terms of these test cruises, these simulated sailings, when they'll occur, how many they'll need, a variety of questions that you can jump off from that point. 
it's just a big unknown at this point. But if you're looking for one thing to keep track of in the short term, this is a big one because this is the linchpin to everything else to follow. What we want to see is these test sailings. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if Royal Caribbean or the CDC will announce they're doing them. They may, to some extent, by simply confirming that they exist. I can certainly see in a earnings call standpoint and analysts asking this sort of question, but I don't expect live blogs. I don't expect live updates from you know these test sailings and a daily kind of here's where we are kind of thing. I could be totally wrong in this. I've been totally wrong in a lot of things, but I just don't see this being the case because I think Royal Caribbean is usually the mindset. We like to put things out there when it's all polished and ready to go. And this has the potential, you know, with test sailings to have a little bit of unforeseen incidents or issues that that can be occurring on board. And they just simply don't want to publicize that. Now, the other thing I mentioned that you should be aware of is also the different policies that Royal Caribbean has. Here's the bottom line when it comes to any cruise coming up is that right now they're very flexible cancellation terms. Even if you make final payment, you have the knowledge that the cruise with confidence program that Royal Caribbean has that allows you to cancel the cruise up to 48 hours before you're sailing and get a full future cruise credit is a really nice perk to have. For me, it allows me to feel more confident, no pun intended, uh, or to borrow a phrase, I should say, from the from the name of the policy to say that I can make final payment for a sailing because I know that I'm not on the hook. You know, before 2020, if you were making final payment, you were pretty much committing to the cruise because, of course, if you ended up canceling it for any reason later on, you were going to incur a major penalty to the point that it just never made any sense to do so. So really, you know, you were in a different mindset. Today, that's changed. That's been one of the nice benefits, if you will, if you want to look at it that way, of the whole cruise shutdown is that it allows people like us to have more flexibility in terms of uh, being able to cancel. Now, that policy is going to change. And it's been pretty clear that I think Royal Caribbean will keep it around as long as the sailings are shut down and certainly as long as consumer confidence is at a point where I think they feel that they need it. But it's not going to be here forever. And I think as we're looking at it in 2021, just keep an eye on it. Make sure that it is still applicable. And as we get close to its expiration date, um, you know, there's always the opportunity for Royal Caribbean to renew it. Just keep an eye on that kind of one of those things to make sure, again, that you are not caught off guard. I think the key when it comes to planning a, either a successful cruise or making sure that you're not caught off guard with the wrong information and potentially losing money is to be aware of what's happening out there. So keeping yourself in the loop with what's going on, and certainly RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com can help you with that, is a very important thing to be aware of. Now, the other thing we should also be keenly aware of, and this one's pretty hard to miss, I think, is the role that COVID-19 is playing in our public sphere and how quickly it can be contained and reduce the significance from a pandemic to an epidemic to localized health concerns. You know, the vaccine is the silver bullet or at least the promise of a better tomorrow that we've all been looking for. Um, this isn't an opportunity here to discuss the, the merits of a vaccine, but rather at the very least, myself and a lot of people, and by a lot of people, I really mean health experts, believe that the when the vaccine starts reaching critical mass in terms of being able to be uh, given to enough people out there, the caseload will start to drop to a point where it will not be a public health emergency anymore. And that is a big factor because as long as there's a public health emergency, that is going to be exhibit A in any argument. For why cruise ships should not be able to sail, whether it's deserved or not, um, that's a whole different argument. But the this X factor of where the virus is today or tomorrow or next month, I believe is going to play a major part 
in the public's appetite to allow cruising to be able to restart. Unfortunately, if we've learned anything during this, the shutdown, it's that the cruise industry has no hope of being able to restart unless, of course, the CDC is on board for it. There is no outside pressure that really does much. There was a little bit of it we saw, you know, with that report that came out towards in, in the fall where uh, the no sale order was going to be extended. And then evidently or reportedly, you know, there was some public pressure from the uh, president to put on it. Who knows if that's true or not. But even with all of that, it's not like cruises were able to restart anyway. So at the very least, if you're considering booking a Royal Caribbean cruise in 2021, you should be aware that anything you book is questionable if it will actually sail until these government restrictions have a clearer picture and obviously are lifted. Now, that isn't to say you shouldn't plan on a cruise. After all, no one can put their life on hold in order for there to be a perfect conditions to have fun, virus or not. The key is if you're making plans to ensure that they are flexible in terms of being able to cancel and you are aware of the issues at hand. That is important. Ignorance can no longer be an excuse for anything. You should be aware of it. And like I said, I don't think that you should also be sitting in your house with your hands over your eyes waiting for everything to be, you know, picture perfect. It's never going to be like that. But there is going to be a time in which there will be an opportunity to go on a cruise. And you, sh if you are making plans, it's not a bad idea to at least hope for the best and make plans. But be aware of how to properly protect yourself either way, whether it sails or it ends up getting canceled. Something else I thought of is what should you do differently when booking a cruise in 2021? Is there something different we should be doing? How should you approach booking a cruise in 2021? And there are some important things I think everyone should be doing before and after they book a cruise this year in order to prevent running into a problem later on. Number one, and this is something I've talked about before on a variety of platforms here on Royal Caribbean blog, and that is book refundable cruise fare. I talked about flexibility, and in order to maximize that flexibility, you always should book refundable cruise fare instead of non-refundable fares. Yes, I am aware that if you book a suite, you have no choice in this, but if you have the choice, you definitely want to book refundable cruise fares. Now, while non-refundable cruise fares do save you a little bit of money, the ability to cancel before a final payment and get cash back without penalties is something that so many cruisers end up later regretting and missing out on after they book non-refundable deposits. Now, a lot of those people probably booked these cruises before the whole pandemic, and that's a little different. But if you're booking a cruise now going forward, refundable cruise fare is definitely the way to go, even more so than ever before. So that is number one. Number two, you got to work with a good travel agent. Now, I've been talking about using a travel agent for many, many years, and I've always said good things about them and shared experiences. But this shutdown, if nothing else, has proven their value times a thousand because with all the canceled cruises and changing policies and redeployments that have been out there, I cannot imagine having gone through this entire process on my own without a travel agent. My travel agent saved me so much time and hassle of dealing with these changes. And I just don't know how people who haven't booked with a travel agent who book it directly with the cruise line manage it. I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's work on your part you don't need to be doing. And whether we're talking about refunds or missing refunds, future cruise credits or missing cruise future cruise credits, errors in reimbursement, trying to change dates. There, the list goes on in terms of the amount of possible issues you're going to run into. Again, pre-pandemic, usually you book a cruise, you go on the cruise. The situation in which you would need a travel agent was very rare, but it was nice to have. Nowadays, it's so much more important. And I understand the whole adage of, I prefer to manage it on my own, Matt. That may have been fine in the past, but managing themselves these days is just extra work you don't need to be doing. So again, use a good travel agent out there. If you're looking for a recommendation, I do recommend and personally use MEI Travel. They are a sponsor of RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, uh, but you can find more information about them and get a contact by an agent 
on royalcommandblog.com, that big uh, yellow form there on the right side of the page. So they can contact you and uh, you can be taken care of. But again, using your travel agent, I, I just I think it's so important. And, and it, it's been one of the big, big, big uh, lessons learned during the shutdown. And something else you want to be doing differently, something we talked a little bit earlier, is that keeping track of the Cruise with Confidence program. Changes, if it'll expire, rebooking options. This is really, for me, the lifeblood, I believe, of cruise passengers uh, right now in terms of being able to book a cruise without fear that we're potentially throwing our money away in, in a sense. And again, what I mean by that is really what cruising used to be like before the pandemic in terms of after final payment day, incurring those penalties. The advent of Cruise Confidence, which allows you to cancel your cruise up to 48 hours before your cruise or take advantage of lift and shift to push it to next year or the best price guarantee. These are all amazing options that are, in my opinion, temporary, but they are super helpful and you just want to be cognizant of the dates that they apply for. Uh, like I said, I don't think they're going to be here forever. And just keep an eye on us. That way, if there is an end of sight, if there is an end of life that we can see to this program, be able to take advantage of beforehand. That's, I think, a very, very critical thing to be uh, certainly aware of as we go through the year, whether you're going to be booking a cruise today or next month or later on in the year. Keep an eye on this program. And something else that also you should also be aware of, and this applies uh, to, to cruises going forward, because let's face it, there's going to be more cancellations. Uh, even if cruises do resume in March, they're not going to be across the entire fleet. So uh, expect more cancellations. And when there are cancellations, remember this. This is something that I had to remind myself a lot of is you don't have to decide immediately after a cruise is canceled what you want to do. When Royal Caribbean cancels a cruise, a lot of people instantly feel the need, and I certainly have felt this way, to immediately contact your travel agent and ask for you know uh, the change, right? Like, like almost like a uh, you know like a refund at a at a Walmart um, before the line gets there, or uh, you know a a situation where a product is diminishing in value and you want to get your money back before anybody else, or a run on the bank if you remember those old days. Uh, it's not like that at all. I, I don't. You have a lot of time to figure this out. By a lot of time, you have a couple of weeks. So don't feel like you need to figure it out on day one. And what I mean by this is, do you want a refund? Do you want a future cruise credit? Do you want a lift and shift? Give yourself a little bit of time to figure out what's going on. Heck, maybe coordinate with some friends because the difference between a refund and a lift and shift and a future cruise credit may be very impactful for your ability to talk with your friends and family and plan something else down the line. You know, I think with 2021, going back to that optimism about there being cruises at some point this year is even if our spring cruises don't occur or even some of the summer cruises Maybe we have the desire to push those cruises forward in the year to a later point in this year, as opposed to just simply pushing them off till next year in 2022. Now, if you're looking to book a cruise in 2021, what should you book? I certainly would not book any cruise over eight nights, even in early 2022 or late 2021. You know, one of the rules that's currently in place is the CDC will not allow cruise lines to uh, operate cruises that are longer than seven nights. And that purview goes through November of 2021. So certainly there are some options in 2022. And by the way, this only applies to the United States. So if you're looking at Australia or Europe, you'll notice this rule is not applied over there. That being said, I think the safer bet is the shorter the cruise, the better the results. You know, ordinarily, I'd be sitting here and telling you that if you're booking a cruise, especially a first-time cruiser, you should be looking for a seven-night cruise. That's a sweet spot. And it still is. But if your goal is to try to go on a cruise that you think might have the better shot at being able to go, I think those shorter cruises, three and four-nighters, are definitely what's going to be there. Let me be clear. Royal Caribbean has not announced which ships, which itineraries, 
will be the first to go with one exception is that they've really hinted strongly that it's going to be short sailings to perfect day at Coco Key. They've said that on a couple different occasions, but they haven't confirmed which ship out of which port, anything, three nights or four nights or both. We don't know that. So it's still a guessing game in that regard. But if you wanted the smart money, you're saying, Matt, what should I book in 2021 that you think has the highest chance or highest likelihood of going based on the fact that you still don't know nothing, Matt? But if you had to guess, what would you pick? And I would pick a three or four night cruise on Navigator of the Seas, possibly Mariner of the Seas. These ships already offer three and four night sailing. So it just seems like it would be perfect for Royal Caribbean to start with those since there's nothing extra to do with that. Uh, they go to Perfect Day Coca-Cola. They already offer those kind of sailings. For all I know, they may end up canceling everything and redoing it. This is what they did in Singapore. So when Quantum of the Seas restarted cruises last year and and, and uh, began sailings, they didn't take what was already there. They canceled everything going forward and then added new sailings and started booking those. They may still do that here in the United States. Again, I, it would seem kind of, I don't know if it would be silly because, of course, they have the capacity, limited capacity issues that may be one of the rules that they have to implement on board in terms of you know limiting the amount of people on board the ship to a certain percentage, but... Um, you know, that's another discussion for another day if they end up doing going about it that way. However, I think the shorter sailings are the way to go. Now, that isn't to say that, oh boy, Matt said we shouldn't book that seven-night cruise, honey. We got to cancel that immediately. No, I didn't say that at all. I, I don't know anything more than anything else that's going to be there. There's, I say, equal chance of, of going or not going in terms of a lot of these sailings. I just know that, obviously, if you're looking at a eight-night, nine-night, ten-night uh, sailing, even a transatlantic sailing for even as late into some part in 2022, I just wouldn't book it at this point until it's a clearer picture. And, you know, speaking of booking, you certainly could wait on the sidelines. That's something else to keep in mind, you know, in terms of saying, if you're not comfortable with this, if all this sounds like, boy, man, this is just like a lot of work. Like, I, I just don't need this. I, I have enough issues to deal with. Certainly trying to figure out when my cruise ship may or may not go is not one of them. I'll listen to you. That's okay, too. The way I look at it is I don't want to put my life on hold. I want to be able to plan spring break, summer vacations, Christmas cruises, and birthday celebrations. And listen, if the world says, Matt, you're not going to be doing those things, okay, that's going to be the name of the game. But I also don't want to, staring at an empty calendar is equally depressing for me for a different reason. So I prefer to say, I'm going to plan the cruise. I'm going to hope for the best. And if it sails, fantastic. And if not, well, listen, I've gotten used to, <laughs> unfortunately, I laugh at it, but you know, it, it, I can't cry on the podcast, so I'm going to laugh at it. You know, I've gotten used to cancel cruises as well. It's not the shock it was back in, you know, June or, or April for that matter. So, you know, it, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, I feel I'd rather plan on things happening. And if they don't pan out, it is what it is. I have no control over it. But if they do pan out, bam, I'm, I'm set for it. And, I, and I, that makes me a little happier. So obviously, uh, different strokes for different folks. But again, if you're looking at your cruise, you know, I think that longer sailings, um, just not the way to go. But you know, if you're looking for six or seven night cruises, certainly it's a great balance. I always thought this is the best value per night. They work out really well. Um, I certainly wouldn't hesitate to book them. I have a couple of seven night cruises booked in 21. I have spring break. I have two Royal Caribbean Block group cruises that are uh, seven or eight. Actually, the one in July is eight nights. That's in Europe. And uh, we have the Thanksgiving cruise that's seven nights. So I'm not shying away from them by any means. Um, I just want to, you know, be perfectly clear on how what I, my perception is in terms of, you know, which to book. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of unknowns. This is the name of the game. This is what you're going to. And this is why I started off the podcast by saying we just simply don't know. But 
you want to be flexible with your choices and not pin yourself in a corner because then you're one of those people who's going to be sending either me an email or posting on Facebook. Ah, I can't believe they're doing this to me. It's like, you know, at a certain point, you only plead ignorance for so long. So the, in order to avoid these kind of situations, I think it's really important to be planning as well as you can, be aware of what's happening, and then avoid that will help you avoid being in a situation where you're simply uh, unhappy with all the options that are in front of you. I know what you're thinking. What is this music? I heard this once before. What is, yes, listener questions are back. Kind of, unless people start sending me them, this will be one of the last ones that we have. So we used to do listener questions at the end of the episode after whatever topic we were hitting. With the pandemic and the global cruise shutdown, all the questions I had that were backlogged were about cruises that obviously were never going to sail. And it seemed kind of silly for me talking about what's the best thing to do in Nassau because no one was going to Nassau. So I kind of moved away from that. And in the interim, no one really sent me any other emails. So I just said, okay, we're not doing the email segment for a while. But over the last couple of months, I've gotten a few emails from some of you guys that I think are worthy of talking about over here, not just because they're good questions, but because they're also applicable to what's happening now. And they're not questions about, again, things that scenarios that may never, not may never, but won't exist anytime soon. So uh, again, if you want to send me your emails, if you got, oh, Matt, you want questions? Great. I've got some, you know, questions about, you know, how we are, where we are and what's going on these days. Uh, send them to Matt at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at Royal Caribbean blog.com. Our first email this week is from Bob from Fulton, New York. What are the good reasons for the PVSA to exist? This old law seems to directly affect cruising in and out of the United States. Cruise line profitability is affected by it. Destination choice and itineraries of cruise ships are restricted by it. What are the upsides? You refer to it as an antiquated law. Your recent guest on the podcast hinted of its purpose and merits. And uh, Bob, thanks for the email. So the PVSA, the Passenger Vessel Services Act, which is sometimes called the Jones Act, that actually applies to shipping, not to passenger vessels like cruise lines, is basically the law that says a foreign flagged vessel, which all Royal Caribbean ships are, and that means a ship that's, you know, it's, it's based in another country and all Royal Caribbean ships are based in another country. Um, if they're going to operate a cruise out of the United States, they have to stop in a foreign port before returning back home. So basically they can't do cruises to nowhere and or they cannot do cruises that only visit U.S. ports. So a cruise out of, you know, Miami has to go somewhere else, like be it Nassau, be it Cuba, be it St. Uh, Martin. It can't go to, you know, Key West. Uh, never mind the rule change over there. Just go with me on this one. You can't go to like, you know, Key West and Orlando and then back or simply go out to sea and turn around and come back. It's one of the requirements that are out there. And I am not a good enough maritime lawyer to tell you all the merits of what it is. My understanding of the PVSA and the Jones Act is it was based in a different time that was essentially to protect U.S. shipping. It's a it's a a law based essentially to protect, um, you know, shipping here in the U.S. Why it exists in 2021, I, I still don't know. Uh, I, I don't know a very good reason for it. I, I, especially the PVSA, I'm going to leave the Jones Act, the ship and the commercial shipping side of it. I'm not even going to pretend I know anything about that. I don't know a very good reason for why cruise lines should have to stop somewhere else based on this law that was come, that was created in the 19th century. It's a really good question. Um, I would love to hear if you guys have any theories on why it makes sense. Um, you know, it, it's just, and by the way, cruise lines that are, or cruise ships that are able to operate in the U.S. without stopping overseas are ships that are flagged in the U.S. There is one major cruise line that has one ship flagged in the U.S. Uh, that is Norwegian Cruise Line, NCL. 
Uh, it's the Spirit of America, if I'm not mistaken. It operates in Hawaii. So it sails out of Hawaii, only visits Hawaiian islands, and obviously ends in Hawaii. And um, it, it's it's a very different kind of ship because it's a much older ship. It's a much smaller ship. Um, essentially, the economics of cruise lines is that they'll never be able to build cruise lines, cruise ships that are built in the U.S. Certainly not that are affordable. Um, the the economics of the cruise industry is just, it is what it is. And if you want to go into a longer discussion of that, I am sure I can find someone who can <laughs> tell us the ins and outs of cruise line economics, but it's certainly not me. I can just simply tell you that there's a good reason why that is the case, uh, along with other issues. The ship has to be built in the U.S., which there are no large ship builders in the U.S. that can accommodate, you know, an Oasis-class ship like that. But again, different story for a different day. Um, I'm not sure. Bob, it's an excellent question as to why, what are the good reasons for the PVSA to exist? I wish I knew, Bob. I wish I had a really good explanation or at least something that makes sense as to, you know, what we should do there. But yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, next, we have an email from Melville who writes, Hi, Matt. Hope you and your family are staying safe. My wife and I have a cruise schedule in addition to the seas of Southern Caribbean in mid-December 2021. Um, one of the protocols is Cologne, Panama. There's a short excursion mentioned in the subject field that is an eight-hour tour and stress level is rated as mild. As we'll be in our late 60s, early 70s, we do have minor health issues. My wife is concerned that this short excursion is not suitable for us. Therefore, my question is, have either you or one of your subscribers taken this excursion? If so, what are your personal recommendations? Uh, Melville, thanks for the email. And he writes, P.S. Love you, the Royal Caribbean blog. Thank you. Number one, I would take this exact question, copy and paste it, and go post it on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards. I think that's a really good place to start to get an answer to that. I have not taken this particular drive. I've not visited Cologne uh, myself. I would tell you this much. Um, you know, if, there's, if you're concerned about this, the, if no one else gets you an answer, the next best thing you could do is not book it. Make a note of it. When you get on the cruise ship, let's hope you're sailing in December by 2021. Get on the ship and talk to the shore excursion staff. And ask them that exact question. They give you a much better explanation. A lot of the tour verbiage is generally written very vaguely and very conservatively in a sense that it always sounds worse than it is. There's a lot of situations in which I've read it and I'm like, oh boy. And then we talk to the cruise staff on there and they're like, no, 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 no. This is just, listen, this is just what they put on there. It's not like that at all. I've done this tour. It's way tamer than what it seems like. Um, you know, so I, I think you're doing the right thing though. If you, you, you know, you're identifying there's health issues here, going ahead and booking it and YOLO booking it is not the way to do it. I think in this situation, you want to err with caution. So either again, hear back from somebody who's done it, who can give you a much better, um, insight into it, or at the very least, wait until you get on the ship to do so. And that way you're not, uh, stuck with it. Keeping in mind, by the way, you could book it as long as you cancel, um, more than uh, 48 hours before the tour begins, you can still get a refund on the ship. So keep an eye on that. Zach Patterson's got our next email. Says, uh, Matt, thanks for this wonderful community you've created. I really enjoy listening and definitely is nice to hear during this lull. I just wanted to make one comment and I'm also wondering about it as well. But when you and Len mentioned on the podcast about how and when things would get back to normal and the discussion about the potential negative aspects of seeing people enjoying cruising and not wearing masks, I'm thinking that I would stand on the other side of the aisle and feel that it would be nice to have a normal cruise experience without all the extra procedures. I honestly think no masks and no vaccine really wouldn't change the outcome that much or at all and would potentially only improve the situation long term. I've always backed up the industry and their ability to mitigate sickness on board and have never actually been concerned about getting sick on a ship. I know that masks and testing are going to be the current procedure for cruising, but I really don't think that the change the outcome for the better and potentially keep those away from vacation who really want to experience without all the extra hassles of the real world right now. Sorry for the long-winded response, and maybe it makes sense, or maybe I finally lost my mind as well. But I would be interested to know how many people 
would get on a cruise without any new procedures and still feel fine about the, always the potential hazards of crowds of people, germs, and the like, and really having no problem assuming any of those risks. Thanks for listening. We're not just one of the voice on the other side of the topic. Thanks. Zach, thanks for the email because I think there are a lot of people who certainly believe uh, a lot of, probably agreeing with what you said there, Zach. There are a couple things to keep in mind. And my number one reaction to what you said is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters only what the public perception. The cruise lines are facing a gargantuan public relations nightmare with this virus. Ever since the Diamond Princess and that other cruise ship over in Asia had the outbreak on board and people were stuck in quarantine on that ship for a couple of weeks back in almost a year ago. We're talking, I think, believe if I'm not mistaken, it was January 2020, maybe February. Ever since then, that is the image the public has of cruising. That is the image that is holding back cruising because as soon as you hear any cruise line wants to restart, even if it's filled with people like Zach who say, you know what? I don't care. I'm willing to uh, you know, take on the risks. That is front and center. That is what it is. And you might say, well, that doesn't matter, Matt. Who cares what they think? Well, <laughs> we live in the real world where PR, news cycles, and all this has a major impact on what they do. This is the world we live in, for better or worse. Um, and I can tell you this right now, no cruise line is going to go in and say, you know what? Eh, you win some, you lose some. These people have all said they're fine with winning or losing some. Here we go. They will be absolutely lambasted by the media. Now, that's uh, that's another discussion for another day. But the bottom line is they cannot operate there. There's no way they can do that. It's just it's it. Not only is it irresponsible, it's also going to be just a public nightmare. So I, I'm going to move past that point. That's number one. And that's the number one reason. Everything else I'm going to say I have after this point is secondary to this, because I don't think that even if they wanted to, Zach, they, they can't. They just simply cannot. Um, no company out there wants to be you know, labeled as you know, the, a super spreader. I don't care who you are. Um, and cruise lines, unfortunately, because of the nature of their existence, it, it just gets, you know, because they're getting the operate cruises for multiple days at a time. If they operate cruises for eight hours at a time, no one would ever get sick on a cruise ship because no one would ever know about it because you get home and then you can never really peg it. But when you're on a cruise ship for seven nights and you catch it on a night three, it's pretty clear where you caught it from, or at least that's what it seems like. It's pretty clear where you caught it from. That's another discussion. If it, that it is where you got it, but you know what I mean? The idea of being a super spreader is just, you don't want to do that. So that's, that's a big part of it. Another part of it is, and this is, I think a bigger issue with the virus in and of itself. And again, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a scientist. I don't want to get political on all this, blah, 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 is that it, the virus is not all just about you or Isaac. It is about the global health of, of everybody. And even if you get a mild case, you spreading, you have a responsibility not to spread. I have a responsibility not to spread. I have a responsibility not to go out there and do you know things that are going to put myself at risk, my family at risk, and my community at risk. And that's part of what this is all about. And I got to tell you, I, I think that after seeing some of the incidents, unfortunately, one one case on a cruise ship evidently is one too many, according to the media, which is just silly because, of course, you know they're saying that. And at the same time, how many cases are being spread out completely, you know, obviously independent of cruises, right? Because obviously the cruise has been shut down for you know nine, ten months now, and we're still seeing spreading. So it's obviously not happening on a cruise ship; it's happening elsewhere. But it's a double standard. I, I've talked about this in the past, but um, it, there's still a, a level of responsibility, and I understand what you're saying. I think that there are going to be these regulations for a while. It's about it's a little bit of public theater, it's a little bit of science, and it's a little bit about business sense. And all three of those do play a role. And uh, you know, I, I certainly understand where you're coming from. I certainly 
especially the beginning of this, I thought one way about it, but I've changed my tune about it because you have to look at the bigger picture, not only the corporate picture, but also the PR picture and also the personal picture with this. And I don't think you've lost your mind about it. I think it's, uh, I wanted to read your email, Zach, because I think it's equally important to share any viewpoint about what's going on there. And I think you bring up some excellent points. I think at the bottom line, here's what I would say, Zach. For me, I take the middle ground in this by saying, I'm ready to go on a cruise. I am ready to assume the risks of the cruise. I am also ready to also assume the added steps. Yes, wearing a mask is not an ideal way to cruise. Yes, social distancing is not an ideal way to to enjoy a cruise, right? And having certain chairs not available to me in a bar or, or a variety of other you know protocols that are out there. Nobody's excited for that. Let me be perfectly clear on that. I am willing to say, listen, I'm already wearing a mask when I go into my local supermarket. I'm already wearing a mask when I go to a restaurant here in town. Uh, I, I'm, I'm already encountering uh, social distancing. When I go to the UPS store, there's spots for me to stand on until I get to my point in the line. This is the world we live in. And I'm willing to say, listen, if I'm going to live in this world, at least temporarily until who knows when, I'm going to go on a cruise at the same time. And I'm willing to go to that length. Yes, of course, I miss the old days. Yes, of course, I miss how it used to be. And yes, of course, I really don't want to wear a mask. And I don't want to social distance. I don't want to do anything. Nobody does. But I also am not willing to sit it out on the sidelines. And, I, and that's the reality of the world we live in, that this is what it's going to be. So... No, they're never going to offer a cruise that says, these are the people who said, forget it, I don't care. Okay, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're going, the the nature, the the idea that everyone on board has signed their life away until, of course, they don't sign their life away. Trust me, there's a whole legality thing about that. I'm not even going to touch that part of it. I'm just simply going to say it's not going to be there, but I'm willing to go on the cruise ship still. We did a live blog at royalcrameblog.com over the holidays um, from our friends um, who went on Quantum of the Seas in Singapore. Not quite exactly what we'll be seeing here in the U.S., but there were a lot of lessons that I learned about it. And seeing all this in in action over the course of two weeks, I wouldn't hesitate to go on the cruise, you know, because it's still that core DNA of what makes the cruise fun is definitely there. And I enjoy it. So, Zach, it's a good email. I'm glad you brought it up because it's a very good topic to talk about. And I appreciate that you tackled it from a you know, a logical sense of it. This wasn't an attack. You didn't resort to name calling or, uh, you know, other metaphors or colorful language <laughs> to describe people who disagree with you. Um, it, it's an important thing to discuss. And I certainly don't want to be uh, giving you guys only one side of the picture here, but I think we also have to be realistic about expectations and, you know, what we as cruise fans want versus what, what the cruise line wants versus what the public sees. All those things go into it. So, and uh, we got time for one more email, and that is from Sue, who writes, Good morning, Matt. First, happy holidays. Thanks for being a great resource. You're helping lots of people keep the faith, have something to look forward to, uh, to once this whole unreal thing has settled down. We live in New Jersey and are debating between two sailings. They have similar itineraries. The first is Oasis out of Bayonne in an owner suite. The second is Baltimore on Enchantment of the Seas. For just a bit more money, we could actually get the Royal Suite on Enchantment, which is something we never, ever considered before. I know the ships are night and day in every way, but are there any Royal Suite perks that would make it better? I don't want to waste this. There's Star Class, but not an Enchantment. I wonder if you could complement your beverage package, dining package, etc., like you do on Oasis class ships. I've researched, but can't find an answer. I appreciate any help or advice. Tough problem, I know, but we all need something to look forward to. It's my spouse's 50th birthday, and we want it to be special. Sue, thanks for the email. And boy, that's, I've been in that situation as well. Oasis class, owner suite, not bad, versus Enchantment of the Seas and getting a giant suite on there. Um, 
the answer to your question is no. If you're sailing on Enchantment of the Seas, no matter what suite you're staying in, there are no complimentary beverage packages, dining packages, or Royal Suite class perks. It's the standard Royal Caribbean suite. So you still get uh, access to the Concierge Lounge, which is in which there are complimentary alcoholic beverages in the evening, but those added benefits, complimentary internet, a beverage package, dining, that's not included on Enchantment of the Seas. So the Royal Suite is nice though, because when you go, what we're really talking about, if you're not familiar with the suites, is the owner suite is a lower level suite. There's grant, there's junior suite, which is really isn't a suite, so we're gonna skip that one. Grant suite's the first one, then owner suite, and then you move up the chain from there. Royal suite is right at the top. And on most ships, that's right at the top, if not the top, biggest suite out there. Again, top two or three. Um, so it's a big change, but it's like, it's a big change on a smaller ship with not as much to do on there. This is what I would tell you. I would go for the Royal suite. And I would tell you this, and this is kind of flying in the face. I think my wife would agree. That I, I wish I could have asked my wife this question. She's out right now. Otherwise, I would ask her what she would do because she loves big ships. She, But, you know, being in the big suite, Royal Suite is amazing. And even on a ship like Enchantment, which doesn't have all the bells and whistles of Oasis class, is still really cool. And if you can afford the Royal Suite on Enchantment, there's something to be said about that. That's not something you can always say, I can afford the Royal Suite. Now, if you can afford the Royal Suite usually and you're just trying to save some bucks here and there, okay, then go for Oasis or whatever. But, you know, if this seems, if this you're saying, Matt, outside of this, I've never been able to really even think about the uh, Royal Suite, which I think you've mentioned before. Uh, I would definitely go in that direction because anytime you have an opportunity to go in a suite that you ordinarily cannot afford, I think it's worth doing. And the ship you're sailing on is secondary. There may be some people who disagree with me on that. I think those people probably tend to sail in a lot of suites to begin with. But uh, I, I definitely is the way to go. It's a, it's a good question, but I think I lean towards the Royal Suite. Again, if this were the question of owner suite versus, you know, owner suite or owner suite versus something not the Royal Suite, uh, different consideration altogether. But yeah, I, I think that um, in this situation, unless you're willing to up the Oasis ship to a star class, because you're in sky class right now on Oasis, um, I, I think I give the edge to uh, the Enchantment of the Seas. So thank you, Sue. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Send me your thoughts uh, and, and your questions that I can read on the air by sending to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.